Welcome to our sermon for May 15th, 2022. Our text for today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. This, of course, is after Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and he meets with the disciples in Galilee, where he prepares a breakfast of fish for them beside the Sea of Galilee. We pick up in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he answered, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Let us pray. Almighty God, teach us to love you and to love one another in such a way that it transforms our lives and transforms our community into the kingdom of heaven among us. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. What must I do to be saved? You can get a lot of different answers to that question from a lot of different people. Some people will tell you that it's key to believe the right things. Believe the right things and you'll be saved, they claim. Of course, there are numerous lists of what the right things are. They generally include a list, at least, the, the virgin birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus. But sometimes the list goes much further. By the 300s, the church started defining Christianity by orthodox belief. The early leaders in the church developed the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. Those became standards for what it meant to be Christian. If you believe the creeds, if you confess the creeds to be true, then you could be baptized and they would allow you into, their, into the church. If you dared to disagree with the creeds, though, if you argued or doubted the tenets of those creeds, then you could be branded a heretic. And all sorts of bad things could happen to heretics, including uh, being exiled or imprisoned or even tortured and put to death. For the early church, very early on, the essence of Christianity was to believe the right things. Some denominations require that you complete a catechism to become a member. They want to make sure that you're in agreement with all of their teachings before they let you in. The, the Roman Catholic Catechism, for, for instance, is hundreds of pages long where they line out what you're supposed to believe. For years, I was convinced that the entire weight of eternity rested on correct theology. Now, to be sure, theology is important. It's a tool for coming to know God. That's why we devote so much time and energy to study. But is right theology enough? Is it enough to be orthodox? Peter's theology was above reproach. He was the first of the disciples to discern that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
He's the one that made that profession. He was absolutely orthodox. He believed the right things, but he failed. After having correct theology, he failed. He denied ever even knowing Jesus. As important as it is, right belief is not enough. Others believe the key to salvation is being zealous in our faith, willing to risk it all for Christ. The Desert Fathers in the first couple of centuries endured the harshness of the wilderness to find God. Anthony of Egypt uh, was one of those. He, he lived to be over 100 years old. He lived in the harshness of the wilderness in an effort to, to find God and to spend time with Christ. He was convinced, though, that he needed to die a martyr's death. And so he, uh, he went into the city and boldly proclaimed the name of Jesus. But those who were killing Christians were afraid to kill Anthony because of his holy reputation. At various times throughout history, monks have beat themselves with whips called self-flagellation. Monks would try to demonstrate their loyalty to Christ by in inflicting harm on their own bodies. The ultimate question for us is, would you die for Christ? I remember the church's reaction to the martyrdom of Cassie Bernhall. You may remember her story. She was one of the students at Columbine. And those who attacked Columbine asked her, do you believe in Christ? And she said, yes. There's a book by that title out there. And it's incredibly impressive to hear that testimony of such a young disciple to profess her faith in the face of death. And that's kind of become the hallmark for us in Christianity. Would you die for Christ? But Peter promised to die for Christ. He even fought for him. Peter attacked a Roman soldier. He took a sword and attacked a Roman soldier, which is a dangerous move to make, to be certain. He cut off his ear, if you remember. So Peter was fully zealous for Christ. He promised to die for Christ and even tried. But still, Peter failed. He believed the right things, and he was zealous in his faith, and yet he denied ever even knowing Christ. Paul later put it this way, If I deliver my body to be burned, yet don't have love, I'm nothing. More recently, people will say the key is to follow Jesus. I like the sound of that a lot better, really. In the days when uh, the Christian name is so frequently misused, some people are choosing to call themselves Christ followers as, uh, instead. The idea is actually kind of attractive to me, but is it enough? Is being a Christ follower enough? Peter followed. Peter dropped his nets and walked away from the family business and spent three years following Jesus all over the Holy Land. Judas also followed. He left all that he knew and followed Jesus right along with the others. In fact, many others followed Jesus for a while and eventually left Jesus. By the end of Jesus' ministry, uh, it seems that most of his followers had actually walked away. Following Jesus wasn't enough for them. And of course, Judas, the Christ follower, betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And Peter, the Christ follower, denied ever even knowing him. Peter followed with zealous belief and fell short. What else is there? 
Well, the resurrected Jesus offers a vital course correction after breakfast in Galilee. Jesus sits down with Peter and he asks a question that strikes at the heart of the Christian faith. Peter, do you love me? And of course, Peter says, yes. And Jesus responds, shepherd my sheep. What must I do to be saved? What is the key for salvation for us? Not just right belief, not zealousness, not even following Jesus. The key to right belief is loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and caring for other people. We love God by caring for others. Jesus said, do you love me? Yes. Well, if you love me, show it by the way that you treat other people. Do you want to know if you're really following Christ? Today, right now, do you want to know if you're really following Christ? Then I encourage you to look at your interactions with other people. Are those interactions defined by anger, bitterness, judgment, jealousy, or are they defined by love? Now, to be fair, don't just think about your friends or family, not even just about our church members. But think about the average person you run into on the street or in the store. Those people in our lives that can be obnoxious, they can actually be a gift from God. Those obnoxious people actually teach us how to love. It's easy to love the easy people. But if we're following Jesus, we'll learn to love the difficult people, the obnoxious people. So do you want to know how you're doing in following Jesus? What are your interactions like with obnoxious people? That'll probably tell you more about your faith than your orthodoxy. The resurrection transformed Peter's life. His zealous belief left him trembling in fear. He believed Jesus and followed him. He believed the right things. He was zealous. But after the crucifixion, Peter was hiding out in an upper room, scared for his own skin. The love of Christ, though, made him a courageous disciple and a leader in the church for the rest of his life. In fact, he faithfully died on his own cross, just as Jesus predicted, because he refused to deny the love of Christ. You know, John Wesley, our founder in United Methodism, didn't require a catechism. He simply said, if your heart is as my heart, give me your hand. May our hearts be full of the love of Christ. And may we join hand in hand in building Christ's kingdom. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, by the power of the resurrection of Christ, transform our hearts to love others as Christ also loves us, that your kingdom may finally come into this world. Amen.